Welcome to the show. Great to be with you today, Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk in studio. What's up? Welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for listening in today. The name of this song, Adam, you picked is uh, Dwarf <laughs> Dwarf Star. Yeah, so uh, we find music from many sources, and sometimes the names have nothing to do with the music, and this is one. I mean, I don't know how that's a Dwarf Star. Me neither. I find it an inspiring song. Like I'm like, <laughs> let's let's get into this. You know. I mean, for episode two oh nine, it's perfect. Two oh nine. Yeah, two oh nine, almost two ten. I mean, you sure we don't have like episodes missing somewhere? It feels like we've been <laughs> doing this for our whole life. Maybe we have been doing this for most of our life. <laughs> I mean, it's been a long time. So anyway, welcome to the show, everyone. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening on the podcast or on the radio here in South Louisiana, KLFT Radio. Super great to be with you. Summertime is here. Lots going on in the world. So and, much. Uh, yeah, it's great, man. Good show uh, today. How you been? I mean, is it okay now that I can call you El Presidente? <laughs> if you if you want. Yeah, so uh, John Paul the Great Academy, best you, school on the planet. Where is, you work. Yeah, so I'm yeah. now the, the president of that school. Right. And so what a fun way to serve the community. Really excited about you know where we're going because and we're it's announcing a great this place. today on the show. I mean, it's, right. been, it's been announced, so it's it's out there, and now I can freely talk about it because I've been knowing this has kind of been the undercurrent for a while, but mm-hmm. I didn't want to say it on the show, right? You know, my partner in crime, yeah, is a nail presidente. <laughs> well, I guess if if you're going to say it in Spanish, that's exactly how you would say it. Um, I mean, I've always seen you as a nail presidente. <laughs> Well, and look, this is an interesting vocational discernment. Um, years ago, I mean, I've been in education for a while, but got out the game for quite a bit. Sure. And got back into the church game. Yes. You know, and that discernment led to the diaconate, and then now I'm back in education. And uh, right. what a great time to be in education because we have so many fun challenges to to meet ahead of us throughout the country. I mean, education itself, there's so much in the way of good and education. It's, and it is a calling. It's a mission. And, you know, the work that you're doing and everyone at John Paul the Great Academy is is sold on that mission. I really have a heart for Catholic schools. I was telling you this, like, you know, part of the reason that, you know, we send our kids to Catholic schools is not just so they get Catholic education in a sense, yes, but whatever, you know, we, we should be teaching that at home. But it's to support the mission mm-hmm. of this, like, you know, so it's great. And I don't. Could you have more titles, though? I mean, you, you you're a deacon, so you know, and president. Like, so are you, deacon president Adam Conk? Are you well, president deacon? Well, I don't know if it's a title of like my person. I think it's a title of of what I do. Okay, so so deacon, I think deacon Adam, Adam Conk, who is the president of John Paul, comma Academy. president John, president of John. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, okay, yeah, but my of course my greatest title is. Uh, is son of God. Mm-hmm. Secondly, would be husband to Marianne. Yes. Uh, third would be father to the to the twelve children. Mm. And uh, I guess fourthly would be deacon. Fifthly would be president. Yeah. Maybe. No. W- yeah. Yeah. Right. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, great to be with you. I'm, I mean, I'm super glad. I mean, I'm happy you're going to do great. As always, and we'll continue to do this show, and we'll keep everyone we're gonna rock know, it updated on the things. I just got back actually this past weekend, did a, a men's retreat, brought a group of guys out to this nice, you know, like camp in South mm-hmm. Louisiana. It's a place called Hackberry, it's south of Lake Charles, on, on, on the coast. 
caught some like crabs and oh really yeah and that's fun did some fun fun things but we had a retreat like yeah you know prayer and mass and and whatnot and <clears throat> man i had a re- we had this really really cool moment on the retreat and i mean it was this really spiritual moment uh and i'm, I'm going to kind of talk generally about it because i don't want to give specifics in a sense of like right like to yeah people or whatever but uh, so the last morning we were praying and we, we, we were, they have this, uh, Catholic, uh, spiritual gifts assessment. So it's a little assessment that you take. It's not a test or anything. And, and, you know, you go through and answer these questions at the end of it, it gives you like a little report on what your strengths are, your spiritual gifts, you nice. know? So in the Bible, it's, you know, it, there's one body, different parts, different gifts, spiritual gifts. And so it, it kind of highlights, there's probably like you know, 20 or 30, you know, spiritual gifts, you know, from teaching to preach hospitality to, uh, you know, all, all the things, Mm -hmm. right. It's beautiful. Anyway, guys really like it because it's something real practical. Yeah. You know, so we're taking the spiritual gift assessment and, and, uh, so at the end of it, it kind of gives you like your top three or four, you know, and you can kind of highlight those and then read about them. So it's neat. And you kind of talk about like, Hey, how are you going to leave this retreat and serve your church, your family, like, and the world, right, with your spiritual gifts. All that being said, so they did that, and we talked about it. It was really cool. I said, you know, I just really feel like this moment we should just take some time to pray for each other before we leave the retreat. You know, so say, Adam, you know, why don't you just sit in the chair? We're just going to lay hands on you and just say a prayer for you, for your spiritual gifts. You know, I just read, like, here's your top four. We're going to just pray that God, the Holy Spirit, will use those in your life. Like, just real simple. Mm-hmm. You know, but, it, but cool. Like it really empowering and, and like guys really felt like, mm, man, this is something. So anyway, we're <clears throat> praying over this one guy. Okay. Now you can't make this up. So one of the guys that came on the retreat is from Lebanon. He moved, he's moved here to go to college. These are all adult men and, and then stayed in the United States. And he's a citizen, speaks very good English to the point where you wouldn't know he knew another language, but he is his first language uh, and fluent language is Arabic, mm-hmm. okay, which is the original language of Jesus. Jesus yeah. spoke that language, mm-hmm. okay. So really cool in a sense of like he was there, and but it wasn't like he spoke Arabic during the weekend or like anything <laughs> like that. He's also a cantor, a singer, a cantor at his Marianite oh, Catholic great. church. Yeah. So the Maronite right and the Roman right share, you know, like it that, that's like more the Lebanese right, mm-hmm. you know. So um, he worships in both rites, but he he's a cantor. So when he cantors, he he sings the mass parts in, in Arabic. Yeah, which is like all the people who are like, well, we should have everything in Latin. I'm like, that's like going way back. <laughs> it's really cool. Like you start talking. Like, okay, all that being said, so we're we're like praying over this this one guy. We're just praying for his gifts and. It was just weird in this moment, like Adam. I don't. You've probably had moments like this where you've just felt like the Holy Spirit was like just saying something specific and like mm-hmm. real. And I yeah. just, I just felt like, oh, in this moment for what we were praying for this guy for, we really needed to pray for the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary for this man and his gifts and what God was doing specifically in his life. Okay, and so I just looked at friend and just said, hey, I just. I said it out loud. Like, I really feel like we need to pray the intercession of Our Lady over you. And we're just praying. And then I looked at 
this guy has said, would you mind leading us in the Ave Maria? Like singing the Ave. And you're a singer, so you know. So I'm just thinking he's going to start singing the Ave Maria, which is a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. And we would all join in, right? I've never done that. Like, it wasn't like, hey, I get this all planned out. It was just, mm-hmm. it was just the moment was like this was happening in the moment. So he looks at me kind of like, not confused, but he was just like processing. And I'm not bilingual, so I don't really know what people who are, how they process like life or right. words or, you know. Did you know that in Arabic, you write from right to left yeah. on the page? Okay, yeah. so like if everyone's listening, like think, just imagine that in your mind. In English, we write left to right, okay? The, the English alphabet, okay? In Arabic, they write right to left. So he writes in his life left to right and right to left in two different languages wild. without stopping. He doesn't think. So just imagine how fast his mind's working, right? Yeah. Okay. So I just look at him and I said, would you lead us in the Ave Maria? Now, we didn't sing during the retreat. Like, we sang at Mass with stuff like that, but he didn't come and lead music or even ever sing. So, I, But I knew he was a cantor at the Mass. And so I said, would you mind? Because I don't sing and I can't. I'll follow along. <laughs> So he's so I said, "Can you lead us in the Ave?" And he goes, <clears throat> "Would you mind if I sing it in Arabic?" And I was like, "I mean, I'm not going to tell you what to do." <laughs> sure. And dude, like he he just started. He sang just out loud in this beautiful voice, the Ave Maria in Arabic, mm-hmm. and it was an extremely powerful moment. And like just thinking of like the Blessed Virgin Mary, like as close to language as you could get to like singing to her and like that original language, like you could feel the Holy Spirit in the room mm-hmm. and and you could feel the presence of Mary. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. It was a really beautiful moment. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So I wanted to see if you could learn Arabic. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I, if if I had like five years and nothing else to do, that it would take that because it's so different, so foreign from us. But I know exactly what you're talking about in the sense of the power of, of the language. I remember being at a conference in New York, and we had a bishop from uh, that same area, from the Middle East, and he uh, he led us in a Arabic, Our Father. Hmm. And uh, it's just something about the language that's just, I don't know, it's just powerful. It's It's... It's bringing Christ's words the way he would have spoke them. Yeah, didn't you feel that today? way? Like yeah. it was like there was this tangible feeling of like, mm, these are like the the actual words. Right. You know, the way that Jesus would have actually spoken or, you know, like right. pronounced the words. Yeah. That's and what it, it felt like. something very sacred about it. And again, words are words, but connections are real and relationships are real. And I think having those kinds of connections to actually hear the language Jesus spoke, but when he gave us the greatest prayer, our Father, or the language that Mary spoke when we remember her words and uh, and St. Elizabeth. So anyway, that's a very cool experience, and um, that's great. So a men's retreat and having that profound yeah, moment was, that's very simple. Yeah, and it was really profound for the men, yeah. like, you, you know, you just allowing God to move and do his thing. So Well, and it, what I find interesting is that you're, you're very excited about this, I can tell. And you have so many moments in the course of a year that you can get very excited about. And, like, you kind of get used to it, I think, after a while of doing it. But all the speaking engagements you do, all the 
places you get to go and things you get to be a part of. I mean, there's so much right. that the average Catholic would be like, whoa, right? Right. But it, it's, interesting to, it's interesting to me at this point in your life, like this very simple moment of uh, something you didn't plan, which is very impactful to you. And I think, um, you know, that's, it's kind of like the opposite, right? Like, so you have all these moments that a lot of Catholics would think would be mind-blowing, and we have everyday moments all the time. And then here you have this everyday moment in the midst of a men's retreat that, like, really impacts you. So it just reminds me of the, the power of that everyday moment and, like, doing simple things. Yeah, not only that, like, we can get stuck in such a rhythm of, like, oh, I've done that, seen that, I've gone to Mass, I've prayed those prayers, and nothing impacts us anymore because mm. we're just kind of, like, I wouldn't say numb to it, but it's just no, like, it's oh, we're, we're just numb, used yeah. to it. But, yeah. you know, I think if we approach the Mass every time, like, oh, there's an actual miracle taking place and, like, you know, God's here, like, we should be floored. I think for me, like, yeah, like I did experience something I've never experienced before yeah. in a way that I've never experienced before. It wasn't so much like the praying for the person or the moment, but like, like the, like the tangible, it's, it was like you could feel or cut the Holy Spirit with a knife, like, like a stick of butter. Like it was mm-hmm. that present and the presence of Mary, like, I don't know what to tell you other than like, if she wasn't there, then I'm crazy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, or both. like in a real way yeah. and, but seeing like God move in that moment. And there was just something very unique about the language spoken, like you were talking yeah. about. And, you know, so much so has kind of drawn me like um, my friend's going to, I'm going to go, I, I want to go to the uh, Maronite Mass and like yeah, I want to yeah, hear yeah. him canter and stuff. But at the same time, like it would be beautiful to experience the Mass and hear the Eucharistic prayer in Arabic. Mm-hmm. Like, hello? Like, how, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I think that is sort of what draws a lot of people to Mass in Latin is like, there's a lot of the original translation of the Mass is in Latin. And so it gets back to the original language of, of the Mass or the translation. But it, Arabic, like, you, if you, the language goes further. Like, Latin wasn't the original language of Jesus. Right. I mean, he spoke it, but it wasn't, um, like, if, the Sermon on the Mount wasn't in Latin; it would have been Aramaic, and uh, yeah, I mean the the Latin connection is profound, though. I mean you you're praying the same way Saint Thomas Aquinas did, let's say, but to be connected in that kind of way to our Lord Himself is yeah. quite different. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. yeah, that's very cool. And this, look, and here's the thing, like, and this is why I try to explain to people because I have had the advantage, as you're saying, like, of traveling around the world speaking, and I know that sounds weird to even say out loud, but I it just, I've had the opportunity. I love being home, and I mm-hmm. love not doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I love the ordinary every day of my parish and life, and like I could go nowhere and be fine. But I have gotten to experience mass in different languages and <clears throat> cultures and the church globally. And as the word Catholic universal, I've gotten to see, and that's the beauty of it is that the, the the church is literally universal, different languages, cultures, people, races, backgrounds. And when you experience the beauty of that, it's just, it's just beautiful. Yeah. That's all I can say. Well, there's something to um, getting to know Jesus better with that specific area of the world. You know, when people go to the Holy Land, I haven't been. Have you been to the Holy Land? I have not. Oh, bucket list. It is. It's one of my tension points because we, we got invited to go to the Holy Land. All expense paid a <laughs> long time ago, and we couldn't. Mm. And then 
Yeah. Yeah. So you just brought tough. up a source. I'm sorry. Well, I was when I was traveling for that liturgy conference a few weeks ago, we had a, a Uber driver from Jerusalem. Right. And he was a Catholic from Jerusalem, mm-hmm. which is very uh, rare. We just happened to be in the car with him. So right. this is, you know, a Catholic Jerusalem person living in San Francisco, driving us to the airport. Right. So pretty, you know, providential. Yeah, he grew up with a different worldview. Right. And uh, so we find out pretty quick, I mean, father was with me, so he had a collar on. So, you know, we started the conversation pretty quick, and he was telling us about the plight of Christians in Jerusalem and the Holy Land and the mm-hmm. whole area, and how they're just they're just all gone. Mm-hmm. You know, the um, it used to be, like in his hometown, used to be half Christian, and now it's less than 1%. Wow. And uh, this exodus of, of those that, you know, he grew up around where Jesus grew up. Mm-hmm. It was really neat to talk to somebody who just walks, was from the same area. Just walks that ground. Yeah. And uh, Christians have called that place home for so long, but the, f- the faith is, well, the people with the faith have left. I don't know if I'd say the faith has left. I mean, the faith is the faith. People right? have but migrated. Um, they migrated for... Uh, mil- safety and safety political. And economy and all that. All that, yeah. But um, anyway, so that to, to have an experience with the Lord where you visit, I mean, it's just like you and I, like if I went to your house you grew up in and, and heard uh, talk to your parents and shared a meal with your family or something, there'd be something of a new connection between us. And it's like that with the Lord, right? To actually visit where he grew up or, and hear langu- the language he spoke. or mm-hmm. um, Yeah, and sometimes God uses those vehicles, pilgrimages or, or experiences like yours, to just jolt us with grace and this profound connection to the Lord. Yeah, just, yeah it just made me realize how beautiful... And universal the church is, and mm-hmm. and how the expression of our faith. You know, I was just seeing a, a friend of mine, uh, Matt, went to play for the Pope. Just visited in Canada. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know the Pope was going to Canada until Matt sent me. And he's this video. He's side stage, and he's taking this video. And like as the Pope is processing in, it is. It's not for a mass, okay, mm-hmm. but it's for like he's going to speak. There's a. a Native American troop playing Native American music. Now, mm-hmm. when we hear that, we're like, oh, well, you know, they're banging on drums and they're dressed in feathers and they were. It was really cool. I mean, go ahead and trace the history of Native Americans, how far back that goes. Mm-hmm. Like, we have no concept. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like literally, they were Native. Right? You're like, they, you're like, we have no idea how long their history goes. And to see the beauty of their expression of their music that was so true and real to them. Like, it's awesome. Like, it, like, it's like, it's like you could feel like the authenticity and their love for God in the way they expressed their language. It was in their native language. Yeah. And uh, like I said, it wasn't a mass. It was like a, it looked like a, a welcome song procession as the Pope was going around through the crowd and before he, he got on the stage to deliver a message or whatever. So right. anyway, all that being said, you know, pretty cool. So yeah. anyway, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 
8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening in. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk, the El Presidente. Oh my gosh. Rocking it like it's nobody's business. In studio, thanks for listening on the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, um, wherever you're finding it, or on the radio, KLFT Radio in Acadia. Great to be with you. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I was actually just on a podcast of a friend of mine before this, uh, a guy named Ryan O'Hara. Ryan O'Hara. Uh, started a podcast called Better Preach. And so listen to that. It's a good Good little show. You Better inter- preach interviews like different speakers and stuff from around uh, on the podcast, and so he interviewed me. There I was. How nice. How cool. Better preach. That. Well, did you did you preach? Better preach. No, no, I didn't. No, I didn't preach on the podcast. I mean, maybe isn't that the point of the podcast? Well, it's to talk about like you know the gift of that and like how God uses and and what are even some of the practical things. How do you start techniques? It. Oh really? Yeah, it's kind of cool. Oh, like preaching better. Better preach. Yeah. Or ah. you better preach or oh, better okay. preach or preach better. It's a lot of play Multi-layered. on words. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's so, awesome. All that being said, you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though. Well, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about what a lot of people are talking about right now. Yeah, I have a feeling for the first time in a very long time, I actually know what you're going to talk about in this yeah. section. Yeah. It's rare. But I think we're on the same page. Yep, yep. Well, uh, it looks like a Eucharistic miracle happened in Mexico a few days ago. Unofficially. Unofficially. I mean, you know, it takes a long time to investigate those things. However, there's a lot of articles and things being written and videos and Mm -hmm. commentaries that are just like, whoa, what just happened? Near Guadalajara, Mexico, uh, Zapotalajanjo. (laughs) No, Zapo. Is that Arabic? <laughs> is that is that it? I think it's a Native American. Zapo Danejo. Zapo yeah. Danejo near Zapa Guadalajara. Danejo. Yes. And uh, anyway, they were having this conference there. And as part of the conference, there was Eucharistic adoration, you know, in a monstrance. Mm-hmm. And a pretty large host, I would say larger than most of our parish monstrances might be, but a host, you know, just Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And... It looks to be a pretty crowded church at the at the time, and apparently, according to the priest who was doing the adoration, the host, without turning into a heart or like flesh or anything like that, began to pulsate like a beating heart. Mm-hmm. And you could see the video if you just Google it or some other search engine. But Eucharistic miracle in Mexico, and if you watch it. It looks exactly like a heart. And apparently they had a heart doctor examine the footage. Okay. And he says it's behaving like a heart would. So he, he looks very close. You know, you zoom in, and it's pulsating just like a beating heart. Did so you see the video? Yeah. Did you? Okay. Yeah, the video is like crazy. And then, you you know, you're kind of like, okay, what is it or what's going on? But like... It it just started. Like it wasn't like there was like a strobe light behind it or anything. No. Like it just started and then it stopped, right? Yeah. And, you know, and and so people whipped up their phones and just videoed it real quick. And the priest actually, you know, said, you know, send me the videos ASAP before anybody don't has, mess with it. Has yeah. time to mess with it, you know. So like, as they 
probably begin to investigate this or whatever. And he's just like, look, I have no idea. Like, this is crazy. Like God, what God was doing. And he really talked about, you know, how Jesus heartbeats, you know, his love for us is intense. And so like the spiritual element anyway, I mean, one of the things we talked about not long ago on the show was, uh, the miracle of, uh, St. Carlos. Mm-hmm. Cutis. Carlo Cutis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that they had at the conference, did you say that already? No. One of the things they had at the conference was a blessed picture of Carlos Acutis. Really? Yes. Who, uh, we find out that he, his big thing was Eucharistic miracles. Oh, yeah. He like, was into like it. Like he yeah. had a website that he started as a teenager on Eucharistic miracles. Mm-hmm. Well, they had a blessed picture. Uh, photo of Carlos Acutis at the, at the place. Um, and this, and then the Eucharistic miracle happened. So like all these things are sort of like colliding. Yeah. Apparently something happened with this photo. So hours before what happened with the Eucharist, this blessed picture with just a picture of him. So it's not like it's a, it doesn't seem like it's a particularly important picture. Like it came from like it's his mom's picture, or it came from him, or he touched it, whatever. Just they printed a picture of Blessed Carlo, put it out in a frame. Um, so apparently, hours before the Eucharistic miracle, the photo, which was sealed with glass, began to ooze oil, hmm. which often happens. Well, not often, but it's happened with sacred images. It doesn't happen often. No, but it has happened. Yeah, <laughs> right. This it's is not a completely um, unheard of thing. Yeah, it's just like a, a Eucharistic miracle isn't something that has not happened. It has happened before. Right. Oil from a, a saint picture has been something that has yeah, been... Yeah, or a statue. Or, or a statue, yeah. which mm-hmm. is crazy. Like, yeah. why? Yeah, it's wild. I mean, the so, you know, the diocese uh, may or may not confirm. Uh, they haven't issued anything yet, but people are sharing this throughout the world. Um, and... You know, the, the witnesses present that all attest to it, including the priest who was leading the Holy Hour and others that were present. And it was a packed room because it was this conference going on. So it wasn't like 20 people. It was hundreds of people in this church. And they're all attesting to the veracity of what they saw and that the video can, like, looks... The video contains what actually happened in their presence. Yeah, I mean, you can see the video on, on YouTube or on Twitter and you watch it. Um, they have an article on CNA Catholic news agency and embedded in that article is the, the video and something's going on, you know, in the, in the host. Oh yeah. You know, I don't know. Like, I I mean, look, I do believe in miracles a hundred percent without a doubt. I believe that God did miracles on the men's retreat this weekend when we prayed for people, Mm -hmm. miracles that we won't know internal miracles that happen and healing that, like that happens in people's lives. And, and then I believe in Eucharistic miracles and healings and, you know, physical, all all those things I do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, At the same time, like I'm of the same adage as like with the church, like let's look at it, investigate it, see how authentic it is. And, and like, you know, this is, this happened this week. So like this is flying all over the interwebs, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, who knows? Like, I hate to say this and be like so silly, but like 
you know, was there a kid behind there, like with a little strobe light for a couple of minutes and then like they ran him off, you know, and they find that out. <laughs> I don't know. Like, but you have, but I get the church has to eliminate all those things. Right. So they can figure out what actually took place to the point where they're saying the only way to understand this or describe this is it's a miracle. Right. Well, and that's, that's part of the process is that you, you rule out any other possibilities. Then after that's done, you, as a church, you got to discern, well, why did God do this? That's correct. Because he could do miracles every Mass. I mean, he could turn every host into flesh if he wanted. There's always a reason, especially with Eucharistic miracles, I would say, because it's so part of our normal life as Catholics, mm-hmm. Holy Mass, adoration. This is a very normal thing. It's not like they raise someone from the dead or, you know, that's very... Ap- God intervened in a very normal moment in the church to do something miraculous and extraordinary. Why? Why? And I think that discernment could even start now. We could ask, you know, assuming this is accurate, why? Why did God do this at a time when Eucharistic faith, at least in America, is is terrible? I mean, there's no other way to say it. Almost 75% of our, our people don't understand the Church of Kingdom and the Eucharist. That's probably in why it. it happened in Mexico. Well, their devotion is, like, yeah. extremely strong. You, you do hear of a lot of miracles like this happening in... Well, it's just like scripture, the gospels, like where do miracles happen? People of faith. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just like, you know, where's your faith? You're, you know, like the miracles are connected with faith. Not that miracles can't happen outside of that. God can operate outside of time, space, and faith. Like he could do whatever he wants. Like he could turn that microphone into a glass of milk right now. I mm-hmm. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it. So it's probably not going to happen. You know, like my faith isn't that strong. Yeah. Right. And in these communities, like you see, like in... Africa or Mexico where like devotion is so strong like and people are relying on God in such great faith that mir- m- more miracles are recorded there these days mm-hmm. in America it's just like ah you know but this is what we need not worldly like we we need miracles of God to wake people up to wake our culture up and begin to understand that that God's alive and real, is passionately in love with us, that his heart does beat for us, that Christ died for us for a reason, that the Eucharist is real, that that Jesus is alive. Like, the culture certainly needs a shake and bake. Yeah. Well, and to do that, the church needs it, right? Because, I mean, the, the plan for God's plan to save the world is the church. And so if the world's not being saved, it's because the church is, is sick, right? So this... This renewal of faith that only he can give us that can come through Eucharistic miracles, not because it'll cause people to believe in the Eucharist, rather to renew and set on fire the love for the Eucharist that is already in the church Mm -hmm. is, is to me, the principal effect of these kinds of things. And those like Blessed Carlo Acutis, who, when he found out about Eucharistic miracles after going to his first communion, this made his faith in the Eucharist so zealous, right, that he would evangelize about the Eucharist this is the opportunity. I think people are seizing that opportunity on the internet because there aren't many media outlets in America, uh, the only ones that are, are Catholic, that are even paying attention to this. But in Mexico, non-Catholic media sources are paying attention to this too, and and social media sharing it all over the place. So I think it's kind of cool that we don't need you know the big networks to pay attention to something like this for it to be known because we can all share news about it and quote-unquote evangelize about the Eucharist with this type of miracle. That is one of the few gifts of the internet and social media. Yeah. But if we share it, why don't we take the moment 
like Catholic News Agency did, to not just share what happened, but share how the, what happens clarifies our faith and backs up our faith. Like, right. we believe this is Jesus, so something like this could happen. Hmm. To us, it makes total sense. Right. And people need to hear that. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I don't know if I was saying this on the show, uh, one of the last few episodes or not, because we were talking about some Eucharistic miracles, and particularly when we were talking about uh, St. Carlos mm-hmm. Cutis, who was, he's incorrupt, right? Uh, well, that's being investigated too, but yeah. At least partially. <laughs> well, I mean, his body's still intact, and he died in 2006. Yeah, that's... Okay, so, like, it's pretty, I'll give it's him... pretty special. I'll give him a win there. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm just saying, like, within a few days, right. I would be ashes. Okay. Uh, I think we were... I, uh, and I might have said this on the show. Is like, I, I think I said this out loud. I was like, I wonder why more Eucharistic miracles don't happen today. Like, you know, we believe mm-hmm. it's the body and blood of Christ, and, like, he's there. And, like, I know it's, it's like the veiled presence, because if, like, he was truly alive, like it would be mass hysterical. Like I know all the theology around that, right? Like the, the what ifs and why nots and all that, right? Mm-hmm. However, I was just saying that. And then like, here we go. Mm-hmm. You know, like God's like, oh, I got, I got one for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. Another source of recent miracles, if you will. Well, I mean, they are, but I'm sure you've heard about how in the, Middle East in particular, but a lot of Muslims have been converting to the faith because of apparitions that they've been having. I don't know if you've heard about this. No, I have not heard about this. Yeah, this is this is a thing that... Uh, Do tell. God has... There, there's... I can't remember his name. His first name is Israel, I think, actually, but um, he's a recent convert to the faith. He was Islam and then became a Catholic because of these apparitions, and he... He loves to go around telling his story, but also what God is doing with other, um, other Muslims in the area, and it's it's almost like God has some kind of new chapter for the story in the church right now. In mm-hmm. the sense of, you know, we need a new chapter. First of all, I mean, I think the chapter we're on is giving way to something great, not without suffering, not without, you know, paying by the blood of martyrs for that seedbed of grace to come into the church, but that God is about to take control again of his church through things like this, through miracles, through evangelization efforts that come through holiness and through miracles more than planning and strategy. Um, Cause I think the planning strategy chapter is closing hmm. and I think it needs to close. We need the Holy at Spirit. At least in America. We right? need the like, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Just take over. Yeah. And um, you know, we're a church that I think, has invested a lot in the plannings and the strategy and the the documents and the coordinations and the workshops. And a lot of good work is being done in those things. I don't mean to denigrate it, but it seems like what we need is a, re- a new Pentecost, a new time of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. uh, leading through sanctity, leading through the witness of, of saints among us, right. leading through miraculous events that accompany those saints uh, to verify their credibility before others. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the old that's the old school formula. Yeah, God sends missionaries like Saint Paul and Saint Peter and and uh, and Mother Teresa. He sends them to places, and then their work is verified by His miraculous action. I mean, Here, here's the thing, and this I'm I'm learning this as I get older, just trying to trust more, and I've been around longer. Yeah, you know, so I've seen more. You know, in a mm-hmm. sense of like. Than my kids have, just because I'm older, I've been around. And the older you get, the more you've seen and witnessed, right? Like you're driving in San Francisco with a <clears throat> Christian from Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. You could have never planned that. God gave you a different glimpse of the world 
and what he's doing, right? Mm-hmm. And what I, what I've just am seeing even more is like you you can try to bottle up the Holy Spirit, and you can maybe for a time and a season in the church, and you could just put a cap on it and structure everything and hide behind a lot of walls, but you can't contain the Holy Spirit. Right. I mean, eventually, like, the top's going to pop off and the bottle's going to explode. And I'm seeing little pockets of movements in the church, grassroots, where the Holy Spirit's, like, really moving. There's healings. There's manifestations. There's little, little things right now. And then I'm seeing that bleed into, like, organizations that you would never think that, you know? And I'm consulting with an organization now, and they're doing a training. I'm helping them write a training material on discipleship for parishes, like how to, how to like teach people. And and in that training is like, we're going to pray for people. We're going to pray over and for Mm -hmm. people to empower them in their life as a Christian, as a Catholic, to be empowered, to live as a disciple and to share that with others. And I'm thinking, man, 10 years ago, we would have never even talked about that. Right. You know, 30 years ago. Yes. But that got shut down because people got afraid of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) You know, and I'm just seeing it moving, and I'm like I'm looking at this video. I'm like, I oh, you can't make this up, right? And I'm plan for that. And I'm yeah. on the retreat this weekend. I'm like, I didn't plan that. Like nothing. Mm-hmm. Like God, just like whatever. Like, and I just think like there needs to be a little bit more in all of us. Like I need to give room for the Holy Spirit to move. I can't overplan my day and my life and my spiritual life to the point where I structure the Holy Spirit out of it. Right. Does that make any sense? Oh yeah. Well, and I think uh, you know the art of living your your uh, ministry, the art of discipleship. Well, certain things are arts. Certain things are sciences. Sometimes you blend them both. But discipleship really is an art, in the sense of it's an it's a skill to interact with the Lord in such a way that I'm going to continue to follow Him through everything, mm-hmm. and wherever He's going to lead, I'm going to go. And it's not a science, in the sense of you know science things you can observe, it's effect-based, it's um, results-based, you know? So, like, the science of discipleship might be we look at a parish or a country or a church and say, okay, well, how many people are going to Mass? How many people are praying their rosary? How many people are doing Eucharistic adoration? And let's look at that data, and then let's move that data in the right direction. That's a scientific approach to to evangelization and to the Church. Mm-hmm. And it has its merit in the sense of data is useful, science is useful. But saying that discipleship is an art is really, okay, well, how many people, like, are we giving our life completely to the Lord and letting Him plan this whole thing? Mm. And how do we do that? How do we, what's the art of discipleship in a parish office? How does a whole staff stay connected to Jesus enough to where He can move them wherever He wants? What's the art of discipleship in a chancery? What's the art of discipleship in a family? Mm. Where we're all connected to Christ enough to where if He wanted to move us in any direction to mission work in Costa Rica or to... uh you know, just normal life, going to school and raising your kids. What's the art of staying so connected to Christ that he can move us wherever he wants? That is where we need to be, um, not so much the former, I think. And we, we've done the scientific approach, and we're, we're losing, <laughs> right? And those pockets you're describing of the, of the church coming alive in these areas, I mean, even places like France, right? So France uh, had a priest friend visit there recently, and, and another friend who was there very recently, but describing what's happening there, these little pockets of of the faith coming out of family life, coming out of the laity, coming out of uh, people who just band together to let 
to be disciples, to let Jesus lead, and they're going to follow. It's happening, man. You know, people are learning the art of. Dis- I think you're having the impact, Paul George. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> going with it. I just know this. I need to make a new resolution in my life to allow the Holy Spirit to move. Mm-hmm. Like space. Like, let me not overthink, overstructure my day, my life to where I'm like, no, the Holy Spirit doesn't have an opportunity to use me or do something in my life, right? Like, I could have overstructured that retreat mm-hmm. with all this planning and talks and not had the opportunity to do what happened is what I'm saying. Right. And I think we've done that a lot. I mean, I'm guilty of it myself, the church as well. We do it every day, yeah. But it's really scary to say, well, yeah, I'm going to leave a little space for God to move because we don't know what that looks like, but I think we should be okay with that. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare. 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening in. Paul George, Deacon, Adam, Conk, Presidente in studio with the gong show. <laughs> Just straight up. Well, when you say it, I'm going to... I'm gonna... Hit that gong. So every time I say Presidente... Well, I don't have the gong anymore. You're gonna, you're <laughs> that gonna, was an accident. You're going to gong Just me? Just well-timed, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. No, that was an accident. Uh, it, <laughs> anyway, it's so funny. Like One of uh, our friends that listens to the show sent me a text this week. Um, shout out to Kyle, a uh, friend of ours. who He sent me a text, which is interesting. Uh, in the Have You Seen section... I wanted to share it, so I'm going to go back to the Have You Seen. Okay. But it's, it's totally off off on another tangent. I love okay. tangents. Okay, so you know what ghosting is? I think so. Okay, so ghosting is when, say, like, you reach out to me. There's levels of it. You reach out to me, and I'm like, hey, and then you reach out to me again, and then I just don't ever get back to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, like, in my mind, I'm just, like, I'm ignoring him because he's going to forget about me. Yeah. Okay. Ghosting goes to to the next level in like dating, like the dating scene, like young adults. Oh, okay. It's like, well, I don't know about this. No, you don't know about this, but like, it's a, it's a real thing. Okay. It's a real thing. So like, you know, you can be like talking to someone or texting and maybe you go on a date and then like, instead of that person saying, look, this is not working out or I don't want to do this anymore. Like they just, they just drop like, like they pretend like you don't exist. It's called ghosting. They just don't get back to you, don't call you, nothing. It's just in a romantic context. Yes. Wow. Okay. Or in a yeah. That could just, be rough. Just done. Yeah. And it's sort of the culture's way of like they communicate so well on text and then they they can just shut you off. <laughs> There's like no verbal communication, right? Yeah. So you, then you just like, I'm just gonna pretend like the person doesn't exist. It's called ghosting. Wow. Did you know that? Well, yeah. Unlike I'm... Jesus the ghost, <laughs> who the disciples thought. He That's was right. ghosting on the morning he walked on the water. <laughs> Did you know that? Different kind of ghosting. He was the original ghosting. <laughs> anyway, Kyle sent me this. Uh, in the Philippines, okay, a lawmaker submitted a bill 
to make ghosting a punishable criminal offense. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. In in all contexts, like if you don't respond to someone, you right. could you could be Well, ghosting in a sense of like this is when you stop talking to someone when you, after you've gone on a date with them, you know. Uh, it's oh, so in a it's like sense. it's emotional neglect basically. Wow. Yeah. Well, how far did it get? I guess they didn't. I don't know. It's okay. interesting, Bill. I don't know how you prove it. Yeah, that'd be tough to prove. Uh, I hope it's maybe it's retroactive. I could I could have access to some money. You know, if we can go back to like junior high. Here's what I would give advice to the folks who are in this ghost ghosting generation. Mm-hmm. Okay, is just have a conversation with the person. If it's not working out, just tell them. Mm-hmm. Just actually have an adult human conversation. Be like, hey, I, I don't want want to date anymore let's be friends mm-hmm. or i don't or even let's not be friends. i don't even want to be <laughs> friends with you let's just not do this at all yeah. but just have the conversation and don't ghost them so yeah that's good advice yeah i like it all right how about we haven't done this in a few weeks maybe uh six pack of questions question there's that gong question number one so uh you mentioned a men's retreat where y'all caught some crabs yes and if people haven't going crabbing, I think they need to know. So my question is, what method did you use to catch these crabs? How does that work? Well, we didn't keep on in line because they were small. We are fishing off the dock. But like in the traditional, I mean, there's crab traps and things like if you go big or go home. But like you can catch a lot just like with a string and right. like, like a turkey neck or a chicken neck just hanging. And they'll claw it. Is that what y'all did? Yeah. You awesome. claw it and you pull the string up and then like put a net under them and you got them. I figured. That's it. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I've caught like hundreds like that before with a friend, like when you have a bunch and you just boom, boom, and boom. Perfect. Yeah. Love it. All right. Question number two. So we talked about uh, the Arabic language and hearing the Hail Mary and um, how moving it was. So have you had, and you mentioned kind of traveling all over the world, have you had maybe other cultural experiences that really stayed with you? Um, like I'm thinking of some Vietnamese experiences I had that were mm-hmm. pretty profound. Like what kind of stands out to you is, wow, that was really unique and uh, moving, you know, mm-hmm. like other cultures. Other cultures. Mm-hmm. Like when you visited. Because mm-hmm. you visited. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did. The one one place I haven't been that I really want to go is Africa. I really do. Yeah. <clears throat> it's just a long trip, and I don't feel like leaving my family for that. I've had the opportunity, but. I just just couldn't do it. Um, you know, Europe's interesting because faith uh, <clears throat> has has been, you know, it's been a tough situation in Europe. You know, even tougher than here. But those who are devoted are very devoted. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I have had the opportunity to worship in the third world, I'd say like Central America, and th- I have seen a love for God and a devotion that I don't see anywhere else and I I think in some ways there's something connected with poverty and faith Mm -hmm. um, that people have a real sense of their spiritual poverty connected to just their trust in Jesus in like the very everyday things that they need there is a there is a strong devotion to the Lord Hmm. you know well question number three related to that I want to ask because you had made a comment about um places of faith being the seedbed for these kinds of miracles, the Eucharistic miracle. Uh, so as you visited, the, I mean, what is the connection between poverty and dependence on God 
and faith, uh, particularly in the Eucharist, like when you've had Mass with these people or you've experienced that, what are they like at Mass um, versus how we are here, let's say, where we're a little more fluent? It just feels like the, like in their mind or in their worship at Mass or in their receiving of communion, like it just it feels like the sense is like there's no doubt in their mind what they're doing. Wow. That's what, that's what it feels like. You know, it's interesting because, like, if you look at, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, is the first approved Marian apparition is Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico. I could be wrong in, on that. On this continent, yeah. On this continent, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, I mean, it's, it's in Mexico. Yeah. Where did this miracle happen? In Mexico. There Mexico. is a sense of, like, a, a real strong devotion and faith. And, and, uh, um, and so, like, yeah, it's just like there's, there's like people with faith where you're just like, yeah, there's just no doubt in their mind. They're just, yeah, mm-hmm. there's just no doubt. And that to me is like really impressive because I think in, in America we have a lot of room for doubt because we have so many comforts. Yeah. Well, question number four, we also have so many opinions. Um, That's true. <laughs> I would love to hear your thoughts on, you know, when, when I hear about a miracle like this or I hear about God moving in, in certain powerful ways, all those like little, not details of the faith, because details are important too. All those little things that we tend to fight over in the first world as Catholics, we tend to create enemies about, uh, just don't seem as important. You know, like for example, this uh, this conference they had, I mean, it wasn't like because everything was done so profoundly well liturgically. I mean, they might have, I don't know, but it had nothing to do with that in the article, right? Yeah. Like it wasn't like, wow, they finally did it all right. They and- probably had, <laughs> you know, horrible speakers a horrible sound system, you know, they could have had all those things. Right. And but, yeah. we're here, we're polished, and everything has to be perfect, and, and the miracles happening there probably because it was just a total mess. Yeah. So um, Mess in a sense of, like, what we're used to. You know, like, they're well, just Well, tell me about that, about because it. you, in doing ministry and doing church work, like, we want to do the best we can, but at the same time, we spend so much energy on, on details that might not matter. Yeah, no, I remember early in the day speaking at conferences where just say like the the evening conference started at seven and was going to end at 10. Okay. Like just a normal schedule. People at, showed up after dinner, then they got to go to bed and you're just like, okay, like, well, there's our window, you know, seven to 10. And the schedule was like, well, we're just going to like, we're just going to have like whatever music and a talk and adoration, but like nothing. We don't know what God's going to do. And I remember just learning how freeing that was and like watching the Holy Spirit moving and then seeing over the years where it's become like I've literally held uh, binders in my hand of minute by minute of programming Mm. at the conference. Same kind of conference. Same kind of conference. Minute by minute and a timer on stage. And we've just overly programmed and planned the movement of God. We're going to go from this, 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 and this. And if you go over time, that thing's going to blink and a hook's going to pull you off stage. And it's just kind of swung the other way. And mm-hmm. I think it's just swung so far, and now it's going to come back, and there's going to be a wrecking ball of the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer. That's a good prayer. All right, question number five. So that's kind of like the the conference ministry setting. What about the home setting? Um, you know, there, I think the same temptations there for good Catholic families to plan the whole minute out, like every minute by minute by minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, routine is important mm-hmm. and all that, but... How do you, how do you make room for the Holy Spirit for God to move in family life? Hmm. That's man. 
Yeah. You got to plan some things. That is, but yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, I think it's a challenge. I think my wife's much better at it than I am. But <clears throat> you know, like, what if you just like, hey, let's just go walk in the neighborhood and just see what happens. See what happens. Like just with yeah. the intention of like maybe God will just help us int- meet a neighbor and start talking to him about life and fa- like. I don't do that enough. Like, why mm-hmm. not? I think we, the question you're asking me is exactly what we need to do is just make ourselves more available without expectation and out planning. You know, it's like, let me just go do that. See mm-hmm. what God does. Yeah. That does sound adventurous. All right. Question number six. Okay. So making room for the Holy Spirit, miracles, a lot of cool themes this week. Um, well, we ce- we do celebrate. You know, maybe the sixth question is this: This week we celebrate the feast of three saints together. Yeah, they were siblings, right? Yeah, yeah. Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus. Yep. Right. So we celebrate that. I mean, and just think about that. Like one of the greatest miracles in it's true in Scripture. Like, other than Jesus being raised from the dead, like he that was a prefigure of him you know, in the tomb, but he did it. Like he showed his disciples what was going to happen. And he, and he rose Lazarus stinky old body from the grave. And his, cause his, <laughs> that was his, his, that was his headline miracle. I mean, it says that somewhere else in, in the gospels that, um, that the Lord who had raised Lazarus from the dead. I mean, that is a good headline miracle when you raise a dead man to life. Yeah, I mean, it's a good one, but he did a lot of miracles, but it, that was kind of a big one. Yeah, it was a big one. And we celebrate them you know, what I didn't realize, and maybe I have, but I, f- I forget because I can't contain all the information in the world, that we celebrate them together. Mm. Yeah, that's new. No, that's new. That's why you... Okay, that's, that's a like new thing. two years ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. So... That's why it seems Mary, Martha, and Lazarus feast well, it, day yeah, today. Yeah, it was, day a, it was the Memorial of St. Martha alone. Okay. And so uh, Pope Francis modified it. So it's... He combined them? Mm-hmm. Why? Well, I think it's what you said, the... Uh, the sibling aspect, but yeah. also hmm. these were friends of the Lord. This was like they're close followers. It was, Jesus. it was Jesus' yeah. small discipleship discipleship group. Because mm-hmm. um, you could say, well, that's the apostles. In a certain sense, that's true, but in another sense, the way we mean it, those who they are disciples kind of look at small discipleship groups, mm-hmm. where in that group you could have many people of different backgrounds and roles in the church and everything, just following the Lord together, um, a friendship in the Lord. That was that, right? The apostles really were, I mean, that was church. And yeah, they were close. They were disciples of Jesus, obviously. They lived with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but they, they were, were all the clerics. Yeah, They exactly. were all bishops. Right? Yeah, I mean, we knew Jesus was very close to this family, right. Martha Mary. He went to their home and ate. They begged him. He cried when Lazarus, when he found out Lazarus was dead. Like, there's, mm-hmm. there were other miracles where Jesus didn't show the emotion. Like, right. so the, in the human side, like, we know that they were in close relationship and discipleship. Yeah, Jesus right. didn't weep over Judas. Think about that when he betrayed him. Yeah. He didn't weep. No. He wept when Lazarus died, even knowing that he would raise him from the dead because right. of the pain that his friends were experiencing. Yeah, and the lessons we learn not only from that miracle, but for the from the interaction that Jesus has with Mary and Martha, they're different gifts. One mm-hmm. serving, one sitting at the feet in the presence of Jesus, learning from each other what discipleship looks like. It's a blend of both, yeah. right? How right. beautiful that imagery is, is like... We can't just sit and do nothing, and we can't just do everything and not sit. Like discipleship is is being a little bit of Martha and a little bit of Mary. That's right. And and the balance of that, and we were just talking about that, leaving room for the Holy Spirit to move and operate, not overdoing, scheduling, fixing, you know, being in maintenance mode and allowing God to move. I mean, that's the beauty of this story. So this week we do for 
question number six. Celebrate. Well, yeah. It's a good question, this, this, I guess. This, <laughs> this small group, you know, and I think even for families praying, like for our kids, all the siblings, that they can have this godly friendship and relationship with each other is another beautiful aspect. Well, and that was a, okay, so how about this question to all of that? Speak to me of the importance of that kind of group, because it is important, let's say, like family. It's important my kids love each other and follow the Lord together in my family. But speak to me of the importance of those kids, especially as they get older, to have discipleship connections outside the family, right? Like friendships and following the Lord together other than my family, or, you know, that they experience that level of discipleship, how important that is before they leave the house. Yeah, I mean, I think they're having this... I think as your kids get older, they're they're hopefully helping each other in that process. The olders are helping the younger, and then they kind of you, your role as a parent, like you kind of begin to kind of take more of a secondary role, not in a sense of parenting, but in a sense of like allowing discipleship and the role of your kids walking together in Christ. I think is is beautiful, something mm-hmm. that you really pray for and want to see. Mm-hmm. You know. Anyway, dude, great show, man. Um, we left room for the Holy Spirit today. We did. That's Lots what of I room. really feel like we did. Lots of room. I, I don't know how it ended up. but That's a great goal. Here we are. Moving forward. So, Lots of room. Uh, feel free to share the show on the podcast, um, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. And um, thanks, everyone, for listening on the radio. We'll be back next week. God bless.